Welcome to the Creative Finance Playbook, where we'll show you how to buy property without banks or credit using creative finance strategies. Join your hosts, Jen and Joe Delafave, as we embark on a thrilling journey to financial freedom through real estate. With our expert advice and insider tips, you'll learn how to build wealth and achieve your dreams. So tune in and get ready to take control of your financial future. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome, welcome, everybody, to another Tuesday podcast with Jen and Joe. I'm Jen. And I'm Joe. We are so excited to come live every week. Sometimes we go live answering questions. That is today's episode where in our Facebook group, Creative Finance Playbook with Jen and Joe, you can drop questions regarding creative financing, and we will come live and answer these questions. And as always, if you are live with us, drop them in the chat. We would love to have you guys participate as well. And uh, if you're not yet subscribed, guys, we are an actual podcast. So if you are on Spotify or iTunes, all the places, go find Creative Finance Playbook with Jen and Joe and uh, give us a little subscribe. Yeah, and same thing on our YouTube channels, yeah. rocking too. We got a lot of great stuff on YouTube. And then if you also want to join us live, the link to this is right in our Facebook group, Creative Finance Playbook with Jen and Joe. And you can come on and join us live. We've got folks from all over in the house. We got more Florida in the house. Looks like we got people all over, which is exciting. But today's about you guys and answering some of these questions. Um, we love the feedback in our Facebook group. And I see a lot of you spend a lot of time doing the thing, right? Taking action. And then when you take that action, some questions come along. So here we are today. It's about you and answering these questions. We have some good ones too. Got any good ones in there? Yeah, I've got lots of good ones. Really? Wow. Mm -hmm. Look at this. We got New York in the house. Drop where you're from down below. All right, you want to go? You want me to start? Well, you know what? We're going to dive yeah. real quick into what the, the market looks like. And guys, interest <laughs> rates are high. Interest rates are high. I just printed out something today that was showing that we're getting close to another record high of people canceling buyers, canceling before closing, right? There's a lot of different things. So buyers are backing out. Buyers are backing out at like a crazy, crazy high rate right now. It's like 16% of deals nationwide are blowing up and they're not even going to the closing table, buyers are backing out. Um, and it hasn't been this while since the beginning of the pandemic. And then years before that, it was like a fraction of this, right? So what does that mean? Interest rates are high, buyers are backing out. Um, sellers are becoming motivated because just putting your house in the market and listening, listing it and have it sold opening weekend with multiple offers and multiple showings, over asking, like that's gone, right? especially like in a few big areas in some areas it still has a little you know niches but overall that's not happening so with this being the case you being somebody who understands how terms work creative finance whatever you want to call it it's a big umbrella of how to help these folks um, especially when they own these beautiful houses in nice neighborhoods and they just want somebody to take over their payments right and they're not selling so how can we help them it's by doing this so we're going to answer your questions all about how to do it yourself yeah, so we buy on terms and we sell on terms. And that means that we do not have to go to banks and we don't have to use credit. 
And uh, so if questions are coming up for either side of that, please let us know because I know they are all over the place here or anything real estate related. If you're just brand new and you're like, I just have a question, let's go. So one question I found in our, our group here that uh, was asked is, I have a deal and the estranged husband won't sign the QCD to either sell it or sub to it. Quick claim deed is what I'm thinking that yeah. stands for, QCD. So yeah, that's a challenge. Um, I have one of those going on right now mm -hmm. here in I Florida. <laughs> so great question. Um, it was court ordered that he was allowed to supposed to sign off on the house. But here's the other challenge too, where if the loan is in the other person's name, right? They've got to be on board with you buying it this way. Because if the husband, say in this scenario, or the wife, it doesn't matter to me, but either way, um, they usually want the household, but they might not be open to you buying it with a sub two or with a wrap and the mortgage still staying in their name. And that could be the difference of you doing the deal or not. You do not want to do a deal where the mortgage is in both names and one party agrees and the other one doesn't. And because that will lead to catastrophe. So if that happens, I'm looking what a cash offer would look like if I could do that, um, if that's necessary. But however, it's possible that you could do it where the they both agree to it and they're able to everybody move on. And so it all depends. But mine in my scenario right now, a husband was court ordered to sign off. The mortgage was not in his name, but the deed was in both names. And um, he's now disappeared. So they're going through the divorce court. And once that's finalized, um, the courts will handle that for us. Very nice. Mm -hmm. So the next question, we talk a little about, about how we buy on wraps as opposed to sub two. Um, and so the question is, in the wrap contract, how long does it usually stipulate before the seller can initiate foreclosure proceedings? So that's going to be where your closing attorney is going to create a note. Okay. And the note inside of that note, that's why I like a wrap because inside of that note, it's going to explain what that's going to look like in that process. So it's going to be the closing attorneys or both attorneys will have to agree on because both sides usually be represented on what that looks like. It could be 60 days, 90 days, 30 days. It all depends on the state. Every state's a little different. So I'd always say consult with your attorney to say, if you were to do this for us and we were to do a deal, what is the timeline in there for when you create that note? Great question. Yeah, let's do one. Okay, another question by David here. Is there a price limit for the amount you can charge a tenant for an option fee when doing a lease option? If you do a five-year option, are you adding a percentage to the purchase price based on how the market increases every year? It's kind of a loaded question. Couple questions yeah. there. Um, okay, so the first question, how much do we get for a non-refundable option deposit? Um, is there a limit? There's not a limit, right? There's not a limit. However, I will say you want to be mindful of in some courts, if that amount gets to be 20% or higher and you had to evict because you did a lease option and they say, I gave them 25% of a non-refundable option deposit in some courts, in some situations, they could say, well, that almost is coming to be like a seller finance deal where now instead of evicting, you will have to foreclose, which is a different, longer process in most areas. So if you're going to be getting over 20%, um, I'm not saying that don't do that. We have before. 
but just know in, in some situations that could be a thing. So just be mindful of that. Um, however, I always say the more the merrier because the more they put down is that non-refundable option deposit, the better odds are that they're going to be a great tenant buyer, right? They're going to be renting and they're going to be great to the property. Number two, when it is time to get them that mortgage, um, I've had in one situation where the seller didn't give us enough money when they moved in. It was $10,000, but they were still $3,000 short at closing. Mm -hmm. Once they finally got mortgage ready years later, um, luckily for them, they were we were able to work something out and still get everything done. But you don't want to put yourself in that position. So I always recommend the more you could get for that non-refundable non-refundable option deposit, the better off you are. That's just my two cents. The yeah. second part of that question was the five-year term. Yeah. So if you do a five-year option. So which... I will say we did one of those and I will say I would never do that again because I am tying in a price to a house for five years. And that's a, oh boy, right? It could be dramatically higher or dramatically lower. You don't really know. But a lot of times, obviously over time, real estate appreciates regardless, right? So with that being the case, I like to tie it to usually about a two-year term. When we use our screening company, screenthetenant.com, when I find my renter who's going to be my tenant buyer for rent to own, um, we send her to Paul and his team at screenthetenant.com. They will give us a snapshot of debt, income, all of the things to see, hey, Joe, Jen, I think they're going to qualify for mortgage in 12 to, to 18 months or 18 to 24 months. So usually I do a two-year option. Then after that, we could renew it, right? But we have to verify what the new price might look like or what the new rent might look like. So I tie them into a two-year option agreement and I price it according. I'm sorry, I price it accordingly to where not at today's price, but what is it going to most likely be in two years? And whatever number you pick, it's usually going to be too low. And are you adding a percentage to the purchase price based on how the market increases every year? Uh, no, I don't. We keep that price locked in for the first two years. If they don't buy in the two years, no harm, no foul. We don't rush them through it. We just let them know they're going to be able to renew it, but their price is, you know, could change. And if it does, we'll still make sure they get a good deal. And we just sent out a new lease agreement um, with the also option to buy new agreement. And then we update it once a year. So now they're on year to year. Yeah. And to kind of piggyback on it, um, I see a live question here from Carrie. How was that seller or the, is it the buyer? How was the buyer short $3,000 in the earlier question? What does that mean? They had $10,000 down for the option. Yes. So great question, Carrie. So what happens is when you buy a house, um, you're going to need the first year of property taxes up front. You're going to need the first year of homeowner's insurance policy up front. You're going to need either three and a half or 5% down, depending on what program you're qualifying for you're going to need all of the fees, the appraisal fee and all of this closing costs, attorney fees. Um, and so once you add all of that up, um, you know, you're looking at roughly it's almost 10%. So in this situation, the buyer was buying the house for $130,000 and he had 10 grand down. So once they got approved, he needed 13 grand down to cover the three and a half percent, the first year of property taxes up front, the attorney fees, closing costs, all the mortgage fees that go along with it. And when it did, it was 13,000. They only had 10 given to us. So they had to have, luckily they had $3,000 that they could use to make that happen. Um, but what happens is where I've seen a lot of folks fail with rent to own, because just like anything else, 
everything could get a good rap or a bad rap, right? But there's always um, a lot of good players in the game. So where I've seen it not work well for folks before is where um, somebody says, give me $3,000 to move into a $300,000 home. And hopefully one day they're going to get the other 27. And if they don't, you know, you could kick them out or they leave, right? But they're not going to, they're not going to get approved for a mortgage of only $3,000 down. So you're setting them up for failure. So what we want to make sure is they have an adamant amount to be able to use towards a purchase of a new home. So just be mindful of that. Yeah. All great questions. Yeah. Yeah. Isaac asks, this is kind of like a deal analyzation here. So he's talking to a potential seller who's asking 365K for a house worth about 310 with 50,000 left on the mortgage. I think they would accept sub two or seller finance with 0% down and 0% amortized over 30 year with a balloon due in 10. Puts the monthly payment at around 1250. It will rent around 2000. Are the terms worth paying a premium at that price? Well, there's a little bit more left out to that story. Um, what's the house really worth, right? We're buying it at 360. No, I'm sorry, 310, but it's worth 360. It's worth 310. Okay. And he's asking 365. Ah, so he's asking like 50,000 over value. And there's 50K left on the mortgage. So he'd have to take over the 50K mortgage and then do a payment to the seller at 0%. Mm -hmm. Payment would be 1200 and he could cash flow six, seven, 800 bucks a month. Yeah. Is that worth it? If you're paying a little bit more on term um, in the purchase price to get Well, for me, what I'm looking at, guys, is I'm buying a cash flowing asset with no money down. If it's a turnkey house and it's a nice house in a nice neighborhood, um, and I'm able to pay down that quickly because I have a 0% mortgage, there's probably more to the deal than I'd like to see. But I mean, I wouldn't say no to that. It wouldn't be my most favorite deal that I'm going to run to. But geez, if I could get in a deal with a couple grand, no money down on a turnkey house and I could start making 750 right away and put in a renter who's going to give me 10, 20, 30 grand, probably in that scenario to move in. I'm up 30 grand. I'm making 700 a month with a rent to own buyer and I'm paying down my side way faster than, uh, yeah. I mean, I like it. I don't love it, but I like it. <laughs> okay. Um, I would try to get that price down for sure. And just let them know that if it, if it's a deal that you're going to pay both sides of closing costs, the buyer and seller side. So that will save them some money. Um, I would also let them know that there's no commissions because there's no realtors involved. So if there's no fees, no commissions, and even no closing costs, like how much lower can I get the price of that house? Because everything I'm finding has this valued a little bit over 300 and we're at 365. And I understand I'm buying it on terms, but uh, is there any chance, like how low can we get on that price? Because everything else looks wonderful to me, Mr. Seller or Mrs. Seller, right? And if we could get over this one last little thing, I'm a buyer. That's exactly how I would handle that. Nice. All right, this one's from Jeremy. This is a good one. First of all, he says, thanks, Jen and Joe. At what point do you recommend utilizing a CRM for organizational and marketing purposes? I just created my business structure and I plan on using social media marketing. Nice. <laughs> to bring in warm leads as I need to maximize my time with motivated sellers. I don't have a lot of time to spend outside of my W-2 and kid activities. 
My goal is to assign one creative finance deal by the end of the year and then average three times per month in 2024. I believe I have an ecosystem that integrates everything like go high level that would be the right path forward. But this seems like a large task to undertake for someone starting out with no additional hires at the moment. Mm. Any advice? Thank you in advance. Well, there's a lot of stuff going on in that one. Well, I think you've really painted the picture and it's a reality for a lot of people. Like that's where we were, but you know, we didn't have a CRM when you were working full time, but. Yeah. I tried the paper method and I, I stunk at it. But you I think mean, you need to right. really figure out a method to your madness, right? Like you have to figure out like what's most important, generating leads, talking to sellers, making offers, right? If you're doing those three things, you will build your business. So you have to go pay for like the most expensive CRM out there? Absolutely not. Do you need to keep yourself organized? Yeah, absolutely. And guys, I will tell you, automation is wonderful because it could also help keep you organized by assigning you tasks, by automatically following the sellers that you've already chatted with, um, by having pipelines already set up, which you should not do yourself. You should find somebody who's really good at doing that for you and let them do that. Because I'll be really honest with folks. And I want to sound super nice when I say this, because I mean this with just nothing but love, but it seems like so many investors spend so much time trying to do all of the other things rather than just generating leads, talking to sellers, looking at deals. Because my coach told me a long time ago for the last 30 years, 20 years, not 30, but 20 years, if you're not generating leads, you don't have a business. So first you got to work on doing that. We talked about how to do that in Facebook groups for free. So we could check that box right off just by joining Facebook groups with your personal page, putting in the, what we call blue ad, which is just a post inside these garage sale groups. It will get you off market leads anywhere in the country for free. And just so we all know that's 239 million Americans use Facebook. There's 10 million Facebook groups. So this is why we share this method because it works really well. And as great as Jen and Joe ever think we are, which we're not that great, we can never get into 10 million groups. Um, I even think, if we tried. Well, even if we like really tried. So we give it to you guys to so go do this and get you deals too, guys. Um, but we we get away from all the things. We go to so many events and so many other stuff. Um, we just stay focused on that. So to answer your question though, because obviously you want to turn this into a business, which I don't blame you. Um, systems and places are huge. Um, we finally got a CRM set up. I think it was about 2,500 bucks to get it set up and we pay like a hundred bucks a month, whatever it is, all of our funnels and tunnels and all that stuff are already built into it. So now when a seller reaches out to us, they go into our CRM automatically. It categorizes them based on where they are in the process. And we do this through the right sequences, right? So it does help, especially with sellers that you spoke to in the past. It's great. Um, but if you're going to be doing marketing, what kind of marketing budget do you have too? Because you do have your CRM. Are you going to do Facebook leads and pay for those and then have a process those, right? That's what we do, but it gets to be expensive. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, if you're, if you're struggling to get deals, you have to look at your flow and is it that you're not generating leads and then do you have time or do you have money? And what are you going to sacrifice? You're either going to sacrifice some time. So maybe you're at a soccer game all day long and then you are you know, posting these ads in the Facebook groups and then you're running the script in the messenger and then you're hopping on a call when the game is done, right? Took some time, but cost zero dollars. Or do you have some extra cash that you can put towards your business and invest in yourself 
And instead of going on a vacation with your family this year to Disney, which is quite expensive and it's a lot of fun, can you take a little bit of a setback and sacrifice that and pull, put that into your business and believe in yourself and your family and go all in and put, you know, put the money into the marketing like he's talking about, building the CRM, running the sponsored ads, but then knowing what to say to the sellers, right? So at some point, you always need to have the proper education. You have to have the confidence and you're going to have to sacrifice, whether it's a dollar amount or it's your time or a little bit of both. That's how you move the needle forward. And I just, I don't know, I feel like it's something that is not talked about enough on social media. It's so easy to see the people on the beach, like just closed on a three unit today, walking the beach. You could eventually, but guys, it takes a lot of work to get there. <laughs> well, and I think of back when you and I first got started. So we, I had a really busy job and you know, I'm trying to make calls at work. And when I get like a 20 minute break, she's home with two little ones trying to make calls whenever we could. Like we were working, we were hustling our tail off. But the real, when we went full-time, when the pandemic started, like we legitly started doing this full-time at the beginning of a global pandemic. New York was closed. I went home from the dealership. We looked at each other and said, Joe, you're not going to go back to the dealership. Uh, we're going to do this full-time now. So the sacrifice that we made back then is a, we were scared. You know, you really thought you're going to get this thing and die. And so we didn't go out. We didn't go out to dinners. We didn't go out to bars. We didn't go out to golf. I mean, we didn't go out. Like, but it was also twofold. Yeah. The, the pandemic happened, but then also like you walked away from a well-paying job. Yeah. And so immediately expenses were slashed. And I remember reading Grant, um, Elena Cardone's book and how she really dove into that. It's a great book, quick read, um, how they really sacrificed in 2008 when everything crashed on there and in the marketplace and all that. And so it was really inspiring because like people who build really big wealth and they actually build these companies, these empires that she talks about, like it took a lot of steps to get there and it was not always a pretty picture. And so really being candid about that, you know, there were no vacations, there were no date nights, there were no like lavish shopping sprees or any of that. You know, you really are truly focused on growing your business. And there's that season of planting that Jim Rohn talks about, right? So you're not begging in the fall, you're planting in the spring. Along. Yeah. So, so th that was the point. We put in a lot of hustle and we finally got to where within a very few short time, um, we were buying properties. We were able to cash flow. We found this system that we worked out a lot of kinks on to mm -hmm. make it a lot easier. So um, I agree with you. Every single time that we've really done well is when we've hired a coach mm -hmm. and we put in the work alongside that. Coach. Oh yeah, absolutely. Maybe you don't join too many things at once either. I see that can happen very easily. Like this group looks cool and that mastermind and this coach and that you really just should pick one, get really great at it. And then roll into the next one once you've accomplished what you were supposed to do. So if you're enrolling in small group coaching, your job is to get your first creative finance deal. Like once you get that, like awesome, ring the bell, like, okay, now what? Do you want to look a little bit more into this method? Do you want to do a little bit of that? But don't get shiny object syndrome. It's so, so easy. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So I just want to touch on that a little bit. So let's, there's so many good questions here. Oh my goodness. Okay. Um, if I'm able to find a creative finance deal, but because this will be my first one, do you offer consulting services or a fee portion of the deal? Uh, so that's a great question, Michael. We don't um, we don't ever ask like portions of deals no. or things like that. Um, we really teach you how to do it without partnering. We like coaching you how to do it. Yeah. Our coach has told us why partner when you could hire. Yep. 
Um, and he's a very big thing on that. So partnerships can be difficult. So what we've learned how to do is how to buy real estate without having to partner up. And we teach you how to do that too. So yeah, if you have a deal, I'd love to chat about it, see how we could help. Um, we do have some small group coaching that we're doing right now. And that's been going really, really well. I think Jen said right before this meeting, one of our clients needs to write up a deal. So after this, I'll be on the phone with her writing that deal up, which is super exciting. Um, we do private one-on-one -on -one coaching, but that's really kind of full right now. So we're really um, only have the small group. So if you're interested, reach out. I'd love to talk more about that. Yes. Um, so this is a question that we get asked a lot. How do you handle the legal disclaimer that you're a licensed agent when you're marketing on Facebook? At one point in the conversation, you just have to have let them know that you are a licensed agent. If you are. Yes, if you are. Indeed a licensed agent. So not every investor has to have their license. That does not, it's not a pre-qualification by any means. So I just wanted to kind of share that because I know sometimes people think you have to, but yeah, if you are an agent, you have to go through all your rules, regulations per state, brokerage, all the things. Yeah, I was kind of surprised how many people think you and I are realtors. I know, or at least one of us, but. Neither one of us are. And again, I thought about it. I think it was 2019. I was going to go get my real estate license, but then looking back, it was just um, a shiny object to keep away from what was really going to make things move the needle forward. So that was really crazy. Where do we, what, our number one marketing strategy, I know we always talk about it. We love social media marketing. I cannot stress enough guys, even if you don't have money to throw at sponsored ads, if you're not just putting out there on Facebook or whatever platform is your favorite at this point, <laughs> we love Facebook. That's where a lot of sellers are. Tell everybody what you are doing. You're looking to help other people out because you never know who will see your stuff. So I cannot. Yeah. One of my clients just this past week got 30 leads out of one Facebook group for free mm -hmm. um, just by one post. So they're out there in abundance. All right. I'm going to scroll up here. We have some good ones. Some people that are with us live. We got tons of people. Okay. Did you, rents are going down. Do you see this happening? How will this affect the business? I mean, I think it's true. Maybe in some areas rents are going down, but I think that they were super high to begin with. So this is why I am super mindful when I buy deals. Um, I'm looking what properties are renting for right now. However, also too, um, with rent to own, anything they pay above the rent gets added to their non-refundable option deposit. So in many scenarios that we're doing, our renters are paying two, three, four hundred dollars a month over. The one that we have today, they're actually buying their house today. So after this, we have a notary coming over and we're going to be closing where our renter moved in two and a half years ago. They put 25,000 down. They pay um, 250 a month over their rent, which get added up over the last few years. And now they're ready to buy. And today we signed the paperwork to say goodbye to the house that we bought with a hundred bucks down on terms. We are sad to see it go. I know it's such a great term. It, like it was a beautiful house yeah. in a beautiful neighborhood. We bought it with a hundred bucks down, and the only thing we did was like put smoke alarms in it. Really, it was a really pretty house. Yeah, I'm really happy for them. They're excited. So, um, I don't know. I haven't really. I see like the mortgage payments tend to be a little bit higher than the local rent. So if you're not able to cash flow, maybe that's something to really be careful. And that's what Joe said. He's being very, very strategic. Like you just, it's not like it was a year ago or last summer where it was just like hotcakes flying off the shelves. Oh my gosh, everybody, you want a house, take a house. You know, everybody's assigning deals left and right. And now it's put the pen to paper, use the calculator. We drop it in the group for you guys, like plug the numbers in. If it doesn't make, if it don't make dollars, it don't make sense. Mm -hmm. 
Um, you want to be able to cash flow and yes, appreciation will happen, but you don't want to put yourself in a pickle. So just be mindful do some research. What escrow company would you recommend when doing a lease purchase option deal? So if it's a lease purchase deal, um, you don't really need an escrow company. We have our renters go to an attorney to sign the paperwork. So if you're talking about when you have a property and you have a renter who looks like they want to do it and they're going to sign the lease agreement, they're going to also sign an option rider, which is saying that that's the price that they could have the option to buy it at, right? Um, we don't do this at a kitchen countertop. They're not going to hand me a $25,000 check um, at Starbucks that actually happened to me one time for $32,000, but we don't do that. Um, we actually have the renter go to an attorney who will sit with the renter and go over the lease agreement, the option agreement, um, and they collect the money, the attorney's office, and then send it to us. So we don't even show up to those closings at all. Yeah. And I would say too, even if it's a title company, that was another question here. If it's title state like Florida, we still send them to the attorneys. Now, I think another question that might be here, Steve, correct me if I'm wrong, is you're kind of asking too, like where, how are we paying maybe the seller? Um, I honestly set it up on bill pay and make sure I just keep a really close eye on escrow. I don't use a servicing company. We don't. Um, so we personally in our, in our business, that's what we do. We set everything up, checks and balances. So I will collect on apartments.com, the rent from the tenant buyer that goes into a bank account. And then my bank account then pays the seller's mortgage on their behalf. So that's how we set it up. Kind of like that. And then if we don't get rent, we still are responsible for making that payment. And that's, that's on us guys, right? As you know, people of honor and making sure that we're doing the right thing. People's credit is at stake. So even through the pandemic, when we had a couple of tenants get a little behind, it was Joe and Jen's job to make sure that we still paid those on time. And when somebody gives you $20,000 to move into a house, you should probably sock away some of that money, right? For a rainy day, number one. Number two, if somebody gave you $20,000 to move into your house, they're going to do everything legitly in their power to make sure that you get paid on time because they know they don't get that money back. So there's think, so many reasons why we love rent to own and that's one of them, but yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. It was just making, because the person that we took this over from, they're in a really bad spot financially. So it's just making sure that they don't just take the rent money and then just not pay the mortgage. That's really what I was asking. Absolutely. Yeah, no, we never make a payment directly to the seller. Mm -hmm. I just want their login to their portal. They can log in and see it too. I try to get the the paper statement. So like, I want to pay their bank directly because people are people, things can happen. And I want to make sure that my money is going to where it's supposed to go. Yeah. The only time that we'll ever send money in a monthly payment to the sellers um, is if it's a free and clear property. Right. Right. And there's no bank to pay. But if, if you bought it on a lease option or a lease purchase, um, yeah. I would have like what Jen said, I would send that payment directly to their bank if they get any profit and there's like a little bit of money in there for them, then send that to them in a separate check. If you're just taking over their existing payment, yeah, um, then I just send in, you know, give me your account information. Let me sign on to it. We will send that automatically directly to the bank. Why put you guys through the process? We make it easy peasy. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the bank doesn't realize like someone else is making the payment. They don't care at, at that point. Okay. The, deed, the deed doesn't transfer. You're still renting. You're just making that payment. No, it doesn't matter. No, they don't ever call and say, oh, why is such and such property is making this payment? They, I think they're just happy they're getting a payment. Yeah. So. 
Okay. Thank you guys. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah of course. And I know it's scary, especially the first one, you know. Yeah, it is my second. first one. Actually. Yeah. Oh, and so, congratulations. Yes, Thank that's you. so exciting. And I mean, you don't want to not trust people, but at the end of the day, we've seen a lot of things happen. So if you can just, you know, really just bank to bank, it just sets everybody up for success. Yep. So what you guys are saying is just ask the owner or the, the property owner for their log information to pay the mortgage directly. Um, and if they don't, I do. That's what we ask. But say for some reason they don't want to, then just send me your mortgage statement every month or just take a picture of it. And I could set that up to my bank account once yep. I have their account number and all those things. And I want them to send me the bill every month just so I can verify that the payment doesn't change. And I need to either send more or less. Got it. Okay. Yeah, because as long as you have the account number, you don't need to have their login portal. I mean, it's super handy if you can. But yeah, if you can at least get the statement every month, you can just go from your bank and then plug it in. Yeah. Um, bill pay is what my bank calls it. Yeah, I legitly had one sender or one person we bought it from. She would just send me her statement every month on a text message. Like, I still have a guy who does it. Yep. Well, then, oh, wow. Okay. We still do. <laughs> awesome. That's why Thank it's good that. to make sure you like your sellers because you're usually chatting with them here or there. <laughs> Okay. Thank the you guys. Business. I appreciate that. You're yep. so welcome. Good luck. Let us know if you need anything else. Thank you. Oh my goodness. Lots of fun things today. Okay. How do you guys handle insurance on subject to deals when purchasing in a land trust so that you're protected if the house burns down, but also the bank doesn't trigger the due on sale clause by it being added to the insurance. Adam, we did an entire episode with James Jenkins of um, Riskwell Risk Insurance. And so it is on our YouTube channel. I'll just put in James, Jen James Jenkins, Riskwell. It's an entire episode. I really highly recommend if you have properties that you're trying to you know, work with, like A, use his company because they're phenomenal and B, watch that. Um, but long and short of it is, you know, the boogeyman is there. The due on sale clause could happen, but putting it in a land trust is definitely the way we like to go. And then you and really accept the insurance the right way. You have to put the house, yeah, put the insurance in the right way um, for many reasons. So definitely take some time so you can get a thorough answer there um, on our YouTube channel. It was just a few months ago. And and risk well, they're in how many states? A ton, except for um, what's the one I just tried to get in? <laughs> there was one it wasn't in. I think Massachusetts, it was Connecticut. Oh, Connecticut. You're right. So, um, but yeah, they're in a ton, like thirty something states, I believe. Um, and that whole episode was fantastic. They've done a lot of insurer. I think he said he insured like 3000 of these type of deals. Mm -hmm. um, so he goes over all the, the proper protocol, how to do it. And then obviously, if you guys want to contact his team, he gives the information. They walk you too. through it. Yeah. They're really like, okay, wait 10 days, have the seller cancel, then you do this. So they're the pros. Try to use them if you can. Yeah. They're, they're awesome. If not, check out the episode. It's great too. Yes. Okay. Uh, sorry, I missed this one earlier, Carrie. Um, you don't keep the non-refundable option and isn't that amount taken from the amount they owe you? So it goes toward their costs, fees, insurance, and taxes. So this is a big question that gets asked a lot. So you get your tenant buyer, they've got 20 grand down. You have to take a picture of that, especially in this day and age, you can do that digitally. Make sure you have it you know, stocked somewhere in a Google Drive or even an old-fashioned folder. You want to show that so when they go to purchase the house that it happened. That's going to come off of the purchase price, but that $20,000 is yours to spend. So like Joe said, maybe don't go spending all of that in case you need some money to cover something in the future, like if they get behind on payments or something happens. But 
that money is yours. So you can put some of it into marketing. You can pay yourself a little bit. Um, and that's really one of the, another one of the reasons we love rent to own. Yeah. Cause it's not a security picture. deposit where they're going to get that money back and it has to go to a special account. This is a non-refundable option deposit. So it is non-refundable. It is yours to keep. Um, you will get taxed on it as income. So um, you're allowed to do whatever you want with it. However, for me, I always say save half of it for a rainy day, right? Your renter doesn't pay. And I'll give you an example, guys. We had one of ours a few years back where uh, our renters know that they are responsible for the maintenance and repairs. And one of our favorite renters, their hot water tank died like three weeks before Christmas. And they called up freaking out. They've been living in the house for years. It's actually a condo. And they said they don't have the $1,200 right now to put a new hot water tank. And oh my gosh, they know they're responsible for it. Um, but we had money set aside, guys. So we just went and did it for them, wished them a Merry Christmas, didn't charge them for it. And, you know, we don't make that an everyday practice. However, folks are in a jam. We try to help people. So having some of that money, sorry, um, having some of that money set aside is a great thing to have happen. Um, so if something does arise, you're able to help people. Throwing elbows at me, huh? Sorry about that. Awesome. Okay. And I love this newbie question again. Brian, thank you for asking. If you're starting off, does it make sense to hire a VA, post blue ads, post, um, ask initial 10 questions, and then send you the hot leads, especially if you're still a full-time W-2 employee? I say yes. If you understand the process and you've done it yourself, and then you can confidently and thoroughly explain how to do that to somebody else, then absolutely. Make sure you're either paying them in education or time or a little bit of both. Um I cannot speak highly enough for some of our virtual assistants over in the Philippines. These women are incredible. I love having them. I'm giving one of them a raise this week because um, she's just, you know, performing time and time again, proving her worth. And so I love being able to help them and they love being able to help us. But you have to find the time to be able to train them. You have to be able to have good leadership skills. You have to have patience. And, you know, if you find the right fit, absolutely. Um, you cannot do this business all by yourself, 100%. So if you can find some ways to bring on people to help you, I say go for it. Um, you know, if you have a little extra money to spend, you can. I know a lot of people don't learn those skills on how to teach them properly, though, and that's where a bottleneck can happen. So I just would say make sure you know how to do it and train somebody properly and get it up. The other thing, too, is spend a little bit of time learning how to look at the deal. Mm -hmm. Because so what will happen when they bring you a deal? Do you know how to analyze it and say, well, what's this look like? How is this a deal or not? Yeah. Right. So I think it's just really important to have those steps in place. So when you do get that lead and your VA that you're paying money to, or however you do it, brings you that lead, how do I identify if this is a good deal or not? Um, and that's really key. Yeah. I'll tell you, I usually look for, you know, very little to no money down. So when I see somebody say, I've got a seller finance deal, but it's $75,000 down, and eh, not interested. Right. Well, that's true. Like if you don't understand how to analyze the deals and that's really important first too. But. Yeah. You want to be able to, uh, if you're going to be paying to generate leads, you want to know how to look at them. Cause I'll know, I'll be honest with you. That was one of my hangups in the beginning. I, we have two of these deals. There's the one in New York, there's two of them in New York on these like gorgeous houses. I talked to the sellers. They're like, yeah, I'm open for terms. And I just didn't know how to analyze the deals well enough and then after looking back like i wanted to choke myself because i pass on these two gorgeous houses one we probably would have moved into the one at victor well thank goodness we didn't because we wouldn't have ended up here you're 
explain that right. I mean, you know, when you know better, you do better. And you know, when you're first starting out, you're going to mess up things. You're going to get things wrong. You're going to be, Oh my gosh, why didn't I sooner? Um, but that's just the beauty, beautiful thing of like growing and becoming, you know, 1% better every day. So definitely do your best, move in a little bit forward every single day and don't beat yourself up along the way and just do your very best. That's all we can do. Um, Okay. Will it be best, John M., will it be best to go straight without a script cold calling leads on past due owners with equity or best to get with a group and pass it over? Well, um, so would you rather go straight? So don't use a script and just start cold calling past leads or leads that are past due and owners with equity. Well, the thing that scares me about not having a script is you might waste a lot of time. If you don't know the questions to ask, then you might not know if you're able to help. And if you're not able to help, then why are we on the phone call? Right. And I think that's what I see a lot of folks say is like, Joe, I just don't know what questions to ask. And we actually were going over a scenario right now where somebody about our coaching program says, I like being in a small coaching group because I don't even know what questions to always ask. Right. So that's really important when you're working with sellers are learning how to ask them the right questions. Guys, you can get our script of the 10 questions we ask sellers right on our website, creativefinanceplaybook.com. Um, that's what we ask. That's what our team asks when we have a seller that we're talking to. And it's really easy and really simple. It's like uh, 10 questions. That's it. Um, and that helps us determine to get the information we need to make an educated decision. Um, cold calling will be semi-effective, but also a little abusive. Um, if you call people, they're not always nice. A lot of people are, but some people yell, some people hang up. I've done that before. Um, that's why we've, once again, I'm not going to keep saying the same thing over and over again, but I love Facebook is because when I put my ad out there and these groups, sellers are reaching out to me and out to Jen with off-market properties that they want to sell. And when somebody reaches out to you versus you reach out to them, it's it's kind of a different conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we get asked those 10 questions just on Messenger, so we're not even talking on the phone, and our VAs, they only copy and paste. They don't have to message anything. They just copy and paste their script. Um, it's really easy when you do that. Um, so when they just copy and paste the script, and the seller gives you the answers. Now I'm only on the phone with the nice, happy people who are motivated to sell and looks like we could do some business. You won't make deals on every one of them, but you know if I get 10 leads in a day, you only might need to talk to two of them. Right. But it's picking up the phone and also doing it too, which is huge. Yeah. And as humans, we like to try to like find the hardest way all the way around, make our own circle up. And well, I think I'm just going to try this out. And I don't know why sometimes if we just did the thing that people tell us to do. And we had that even in our own team where they were just going off script and kind of making things up. And I was like, why? What what happened? We were churning a lot of deals. I started looking and people were just you know, not following protocol. So it's there because it works and it's not anything super fancy. And maybe that's why we want to make it better. Um, but better is just simple <laughs> and asking these 10 questions gets you the answers and then key being follow-up. So, I mean, like, I, like Joe said, you don't want to get stuck on these cold calls and get like screamed at and yelled at. I mean, it's like door knocking, but if it works, it works, but you're going to have to knock a lot of doors and make a lot of phone calls. I'd rather just put fingers to work and ask some questions. I agree with you on that. Um, I've never done door knocking. However, like I've stopped and get out of my car and like look at like houses, what they're all ripped up. And, and you never know what you're going to come across in yeah, these situations. Yeah, it freaks me out, especially in Florida. So it does kind of freak me out too. That's why um, I just kind of like the whole Facebook thing. Mm-hmm. 
Adam is asking, on a work for equity deal where the house needs a lot of work, do you ever find it more beneficial to do a contract for deed or land contract versus a lease option for liability of repairs? Or do you always use lease option as the exit strategy? I like the lease option. Rent to own, handyman special, you do the work yourself and save thousands. It's literally what my ad says. Reason I ask is because sometimes even though you have a written lease option agreement, depending on the state, you may be bound to and responsible for some of the repairs based on Landlord Tenant Act, like working HVAC. I mean, that can be the case. However, if um, part of my agreement says that my renters will be while they're in the option phase of our agreement. We have that happen in New York. One of our tenants, their furnace went out. And they actually called us and said, can you recommend your contractor? Because the one we got our quote from was a little high and we like to shop around. So we gave them ours and um, that was the last we heard of that. So um, why they're in the option period, um, they are responsible for all the maintenance and the repairs. Mm-hmm. And I think too, because you know, work for equity, if the house needs a lot of work, they're probably not giving you a huge amount the non-refundable option and deposit because they're going to need some of that money mm-hmm. to go do these repairs. And so you want to be mindful of who you're placing in that property too. So. Uh, okay. Damien asks, what are some of the ways you train your sellers on becoming the bank or note investor? We ask them. Uh, great question. Um, we just really, we ask them, we stick to our script. And one of our questions is once we find out their level of motivation, um, why, how soon they want to sell, things like that. And what they own the property and things like this, we always ask every single time. Our process is probably different from everybody else. And it's one of these things, if you seek, you'll find. So every one of our sellers that we speak to, we ask them if they're going to be open to terms first, every time. Junker, beautiful house, it don't make a difference. If they say yes, if they say maybe, we start getting into that closing call. If they say no, um, we always will ask them, if we were to pay cash and close when you want, what's the lease you'll take? Super simple. Um, So we're always going to get that cash price, and then we're going to verify that price and see if we have a deal. And to be quite honest with you, we do a lot of deals where um, Lexi wrote up one in Texas where it looks like the value of it's probably about 275-ish, and we just wrote it up for 120 cash. Um, I'd guess probably 30 minutes outside of Dallas. So uh, great deal. And we have a bunch of these that we've got in Connecticut, a couple in Florida, New York, South Carolina. They're giving us big, big discounts. So cash works. So you could wholesale that deal. Um, Our preferred method is to just buy it, clean them out, and then put them back on the market and sell them cheap. Um, That's been working well. Um, Do you buy in 55 and older communities? Alexander, we do. We're actually working one here in Florida right now. Um, I heard of someone losing in court one time on a lease option. Just curious, Adam. Yeah, that could happen. Yeah, it's always a possibility. Um, and what losing could be is if they weren't paying your renters, if you have to evict versus foreclose, that could be sometimes two different things. So that's generally what will happen in that situation. Um, and so that's why, once each again, state is different every state's different, but I like to have the proper paperwork and documents, and that's um, super important. 
Um, do we offer copies of the various contracts you use? Where can I get them? We do um, inside of our coaching program. It's part of the benefit of working with Joe and Jen. We do have those for them inside of there because we spent a lot of time and a ton of money to get them exactly where they um, are awesome. Yes, you want to qualify your buyers, Alexander. You want to make sure you're putting the right people. You don't want to assign a deal and not know that they're going to be able to pay. Is that for, uh, do you qualify buyers when assigning deals? Yes, we do. Absolutely. You want to know if you're going to sign a deal. If it's a creative, if it's a cash deal, the only thing I need to do to qualify is you got the cash. Right. Simple. Um, if I'm going to be assigning a seller finance deal or a creative finance deal, I need to know what they're doing with the property. Like, is are you moving into it? Is this going to be a rental? Like, what are your plans with the property? Um, and then you want to do things um, as far as there's a few processes you could do to verify that. Mm -hmm. This is a good one that popped up a couple of days ago. If the owner is going into bankruptcy, does the property follow or does it need to be in a trust where it would be safe? Um, so we had a seller. Yeah. So if I deed the property into a land trust, um, we've had a situation where the seller was then filing bankruptcy and we just have to notify the trustee that this property is sold and not going to be included in the bankruptcy. And then they have to approve that. Trace asked this one. If a home is being foreclosed on and now has a final judgment entered, can it still be purchased creatively or is it too late? The auction has not been held yet and we're in Florida. Yeah, you can stop the, the um, auction date. It says the final judgment entered. Yeah, if you could show, I think that you're going to be buying the property, purchase and sale agreement, you could actually stop the date of the auction foreclosure process is that what you're looking at trace right now <laughs> he's a guy i'm out yeah. my way he's there right now it, it's it's one of uh, a few a handful i'm looking at all right well let us know if you need any help oh he's gonna we'll take do. Notes. thanks Absolutely. yeah of course um especially the area you're in yeah no kidding so we got adam or alexander has a question arv 181 asking 175 sub two cash flow 100 bucks a month um piti what's the plan uh well that's kind of a tight hundred bucks yeah what's the plan does it need any work is there money down right how long uh, are the terms so for me if i'm buying that deal and it's like so i'm not gonna be picking on anybody when i say this but there's some states where like you could be out in the middle of nowhere and um, and not all of us have these spots, right? But there's some places like in Pennsylvania or even New York where we're from, you're out in the middle of nowhere. Um, so I have to look at, they could be really old houses and things like that. That kind of worries me. If it's a semi-newer, decent area, semi-newer, decent house and doesn't need any work and it's turnkey and it was recently renovated and I could buy it with no money down, cover a couple grand in closing costs and make a hundred bucks a month. If I could put in a rent to own tenant buyer that alleviates me of doing any type of repairs. They give me 10, 20 grand to move in um, and it potentially get somebody who will pay a few hundred over the rent every month. This is why I love rent to own it. Some of these situations, we could turn them into some pretty decent cash flows. So um, it looks like a 1990s house. Um, if it's in good shape, it's always a deal I would consider doing. I've got some of those in Ohio. We're doing the same thing. We'll probably make 250 bucks on, but it's no money down. I'm going to pay probably 2,500 in closing costs. No money down. 
the house was just renovated. Okay. Booyah. Do you know anything about land bank deals? I I've never not. heard of land bank, so I'm not really quite sure what that means. I do not. Yeah. Okay. As far as like... It says, bank. how do I apply creative finance to land bank deals? Is there a way to get around the hefty closing costs with land bank deals? Um, I don't, I've never heard of it, so I wasn't sure. That's a great question. I don't know. Got to learn that, I guess, a little bit. Um. All right. Awesome, guys. All right. Do you prefer to avoid some lenders, Alexander? Um. Okay. So I'll give you a scenario. We interviewed James Jenkins from Riskwell Insurance, and he says out of the 3,000 properties he's ever insured, only two of them had the due on sale clause called on them, and those were both Mr. Cooper was the lender. I don't know if that's good or bad, but that's just something that I've heard along the way. That's the only incidence I've heard of that happening, so just be mindful, Mr. Cooper. <laughs> Mr. Cooper. When I don't know what if if they stop paying on time, right? Because that could have happened. Um, uh, I think he might have explained it, or somebody else did. I forgot what it was. Something silly. A tricky Mr. Cooper. Yeah, he like knows what's up. Um, how do you handle when the seller provides assessed value of the property and wants the buyers to initiate what the offer is? So basically, we always say we let the sellers make us the offer. And we don't give them the offer. So you always want to just keep kind of rewording your question. You know, what is the... So if the seller's like, hey, the assessed value is $400,000 for my house. Um, the buyer wants to initiate what the offer is. I say, well... Tell me your offer. Tell me your offer. Yeah, the house is assessed at 400000 Well, if I were to buy it at 400000 are you open to terms? And if he says, yes, I am. I say, okay, well, if I were to buy it for 400000 I'll do a walkthrough, but if we could agree on some ten of terms, let's do a walkthrough. But until then, let's figure out what this looks like. I buy it for four hundred thousand. Um, there's no attorney fees because I'll pay both sides of closing costs, no commissions. What's the lease you'll take, and then find out what the rest of the terms look like. Right? If they're okay with no money down and they're giving you great terms, sure. I could potentially pay four hundred thousand. And I know a lot of times assessed value sometimes are a lot lower than the actual value. So if they try to hit me with this is the assessed value, many times I'm okay with that. Wow, awesome. Why do you use a land trust versus putting each property in its own LLC? Center stage. Uh, so each property into a land trust, we do that for privacy reasons. Um, it doesn't show on count public record who is the owner of that trust it just says the trust name is the owner number one number two is for privacy reasons and it's also a lot less expensive if i own five properties i have to own five llcs and pay for the llcs to get set up plus renewing those llc fees every year where for me um if i own five properties i will deed each one of those into an individual land trust and that one LLC will be the beneficiary of all of those. So I only have to get one check. A lot easier for your accountant, a lot less expensive, all the privacy and all the good stuff. Yeah. Great question. 
These are awesome. So Man, every you guys week, rock today. Every week we do post a ask, drop your questions down in the chat. And that's where I pulled the majority of these questions from. So if something pops up, just go into our Facebook group and drop it there. You might have someone else answer your question, but if you want us to answer it, then make sure you tune in or check the replay. And uh, we try to answer as many as possible. So super excited. We have our meetup tonight here in Bradenton, Florida, 6 p.m. Eastern. Super pumped about that. Who's coming? I know Trace is going to be there. Is anybody else going to be there? Love to see some of you in person. Um, guys, we do a meetup here in the Bradenton, which is just between Sarasota and Tampa area. We do this every other month. Yeah. The next event will be December 19th. So if you, John's coming, awesome. If yeah. you are thinking about coming to Florida, guys, what better time than December and right now where it's sunny and beautiful. Yep. And uh, we'd love to have you down and meet you in person too. And we so. are doing kind of uh, connecting with a local organization because we want to give back in December. So although tonight you can just show up with a smile on your face, December, we will be asking for a small toy donation. Um, we're working out that right now. There's a lot of families down here and I don't know, I used to be a teacher and we used to adopt a kid, adopt a family um, for Christmas every year, Joe and I would. And so this year we thought how cool if we could impact not just one family, but a lot of families. So if you're coming in December, you might have to bring a little toy. No, you will have to bring a toy, um, to get through the door, but it's all for a good cause. And maybe even like an ugly sweater t-shirt thing. I don't think you wear sweaters. Do I still have my dinosaur one? <laughs> I think so. Or did you throw that out? Oh, I think we have it. Oh boy. I yeah. already got mine picked. I don't up, know but... if you can wear a sweater though. Yeah, it's gonna be like hot. <laughs> um, so yeah, we do one every other month. So most likely we will be we did one in December. We'll have another one in February. So I'll get the dates rolling out for that one as well. January will be a busy month for birthdays in this house. <laughs> birthdays and we got something cool planned yeah. for February too. All, so all fun things. So yes, we love this community so much. Thank you for being active members, for sharing your knowledge with other people and um, for showing up here um, every Tuesday, 2 p.m. Eastern. Conferences that we're attending, not on the we just went to BPCon. Yeah. That was really awesome. We do Family Mastermind, which is in March. We'll be there. Um, but I don't have anything scheduled other than Well, wait a minute. Don't you have one, the wire community? No. Or is that virtual? Isn't there one in Tampa that we're supposed to go to speak at? Oh, it's not a conference though. But yeah, we're supposed uh, to figure out a night to go do a meetup again. Well, oh yeah, I gotta talk go. to Melissa about that. <laughs> so, all right. Okay, we have called to make um, the notary will be here momentarily. So we're busy. We hope that you are staying busy in your real estate business and cheers guys, to your success. Go get some deals, guys.